Hello and welcome. It's Graham Norton here. Thank you for listening to my Virgin Radio podcast with Waitrose. On the way, Escape to the Chateau duo, Dick and Angel Strawbridge discuss A Year at the Chateau, which is now out in paperback. Speaking of couples, Zadie Smith and Nick Laird have written their first children's book together, Weirdo. So we'll be hearing from them about that. Helen George of Call the Midwife tells us all about the 10th series and broadcaster and author Claire Balding teaches kids 10 ways to be at the top of their game in brand new book, Fall Off, Get Back On and Keep Going. But first... Here's Maria. We've made a mistake, haven't we, Maria? We've made a terrible error. We are wearing almost exactly the same top. No, but it's worse than that. Because we made a lovely plan to go to a restaurant. It's a fish restaurant. Outside, yeah. Yeah, it's a fish restaurant. And we are going to look like we work there. Because we look like Breton fishermen. Two of us. I might pop to the junk shop and see if I can find us two little sailor caps. Maybe we should go to Lost Property and Reception. <laughs> just just see, see if we can get a change of outfit. I love the fact when you think you're being so original. What should I wear? Stripy top. Oh, Graham's oh. got stripy top on too. Yes. Never mind. Um, hey, when I went home last Sunday on the train, I read in the Sunday Times a lovely review by Gillian Reynolds. Only a lovely review of your show, Graham Norton. Of our, our show. Well, she didn't mention me this time because it's the second time she's um, mentioned you. She loves you. No, it was very nice. It was one of those reviews where you keep reading kind of thinking, oh, there's going to be a button in a minute. You know, because I came up on my Google thing. Yeah. And uh, but because it's behind the paywall, I couldn't see it. So I knew the first paragraph was really nice. And I just thought, oh, I bet you there's a big but. <laughs> when Maria McCallan <laughs> comes on, everything goes to pot. Or but in his new incarnation on Virgin Radio. Uh, no, it was lovely, yeah. but that was last week. And also... Yeah, that was last week. Can, yeah. No, but there's so many things to congratulate. Congratulations, because the film that you were in, Soul, the Disney film, that you um, have a marvellous part in, I haven't seen it yet, um, won a BAFTA. And also only up for an Oscar too. I know. I mean, you know, how will I sit in the same studio if it wins an Oscar? Um, maybe I should go to the Oscars because I'm not that busy. Yeah. Yeah, I should, I should probably go because actually, there's, I'm sure there's seats going a-begging uh, this <laughs> what year. What sort of dress will you wear? I'm not sure. I'd probably go full length just because, you know, I know I know it's a pandemic but still, you've got to make an effort, haven't you? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And something off the shoulder to show, off my, anybody hair, to show ever, my hairy shoulders. If anyone ever saw the play that Graham was in, um, which was La Cage Fall, yeah. where he played a woman, you will know what a marvellous woman he makes. Well, of a certain age. <laughs> With a blonde wig. I'm not laughing. I'm laughing. I had a very, no, the thing I liked most in that was uh, I had a very nice kind of conservative bob, a sort of grey bob. Well, it wasn't grey, it was blonde. Was it blonde? Yes. Oh, I, I How remember, little you remember. I remember it being grey. I really liked that. It's probably once you'd powdered it once too often. <laughs> powdered your wig. Um, how has your week been now that we've kind of... A little more freedom has, has been gifted to well, us. Well, uh, I went out for dinner on Monday. Oh, goodness. Yes. And uh, that was exciting. Was it cold, though? Um, not really. I mean, I wore a coat. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. Um, I find after two hours of sitting outside, the joy has gone for me. The joy of, of eating out has gone and been replaced by frostbite. But two hours is enough. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's that's nature's way of telling you to go home. <laughs> I think it being <laughs> seven degrees is nature's way of telling you not to sit outside. But what do I know? Has, have, you, have you noticed that you've gone from fog brain of being indoors? No, because you've been working throughout. Fog brain during lockdown, and then now I've got monkey brain. I'm doing, you know, darting all over the place. Shiny things. Ooh, must buy that. Shiny, shiny, that sort of thing. No, no, not so much. Not so much, no. I mean, I'm... I, no, in fact, I feel kind of the opposite. I think because I'm working less because the TV show although the last TV show was on last night we finished it a fortnight ago so yes I've sort of that was the show that should have been shown yeah. when Prince Philip yeah. died yeah so I think now I've sort of my whole my brain has kind of gone slightly into sludge mode into holiday mode yeah that's it yeah yeah go to the Oscars <laughs> exactly <clears throat> why not go to the Oscars uh, well they are having them and they're insisting everyone go they're not do- they're not letting you do it remotely they're saying if you want your Oscar you better what was the show part up. you played in Seoul just in case people need to watch it um... oh stop it now you <laughs> well, can't go to the Oscars there... if you can't remember the part you played there we leave Miriam McCurley uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll have a letter uh, the first letter in Graham's Guide Virgin Radio Okay, here we go. First problemo. Dear Graham and Maria, me and my housemate got chatting to a girl when we were playing tennis last year. Tennis, do you remember that, Graham? No. And even though we only met briefly, I really fancied her from the offset. I love that, fancied. We chatted about organising drinks as a group with us and some of her friends, but naturally, due to lockdown, we weren't able to. My housemate was acting as the main point of contact with her and they've chatted a few times over text, but we never swap numbers. She's now texted my housemate, who has been very clear that he has a girlfriend, asking if he'd want to meet up now that things were open. But I'm starting to worry that maybe she actually fancies him, rather than wanting to do a group thing. He's dead set on setting me up with her, but I don't want to go and embarrass myself. Do I go and find out? I just fear this could be messy. Oh, and that is from Simon in Exeter. Oh, Simon in Exeter. Here's my advice. Step back. Take a step back. Have a breathe. You're putting way too much import on this. I think the very fact that she texted him, you know, you met as a group, you played tennis together, was because she only has his number. And he's been very clear, apparently, that he has a girlfriend. Also... I think your housemate, who is very keen to set you up, knows something more. So I think he might know that there's interest there. So I would just say, really, calm yourself, Simon, in Exeter. Um, He's got a girlfriend, so that's not going to work. You won't embarrass yourself if you, you know, step back and breathe. And I don't think it will be messy. I think, you know, go along and see. Do it in a group so it's all cool and casual. Um, But in between now and then do not think about it anymore or you're going to you know you will make a fool of yourself by over angsting what do you think graham i think simon's young make you know have messy have a messy life you know go to this go meet her with your friend with your housemate bring someone else i.e housemate's girlfriend yeah yeah where's she and all that i mean she (laughs) Yeah, take the housemate's girlfriend, defo. Yeah, the housemate's girlfriend really needs to start playing tennis uh, because it's all going on. <laughs> Love all. Uh, so I, I, th- I just think if you still 
if you still fancy this um, person, then go on the drink or whatever, because she has no way of contacting you apart from through the housemate. Exactly. So you can sit in your flat thinking, mm, she fancies him, not me, because maybe that happens. Maybe, maybe when you go out on a night, the girls do show more interest in him than in you, Simon. But you remember, <laughs> you think back to the day you met this woman. You obviously thought, oh, there is something between me and woman yeah. on the other side of the net. And so uh, try to remember that. And look, if it doesn't go anywhere, meh, there's other people. You know, I think uh, Maria's right. You've invested too much in this. It, it was a chance encounter at tennis. And now, possibly, you're going to all meet up for a group drink. And what I would say is go to the group drink, one with an open mind in that, you know, it might go somewhere, it might not go somewhere. But also have a... Have a second step. Don't let the ball roll away this time. So have okay, a reason. Okay, what do you mean? Well, as I said, have a reason to get her number or friend her on something, a yeah. Facebook. Yes, but or don't a... arrive and say hello. What's your number? <laughs> yeah, don't don't do <laughs> don't that. Don't do that. That'd no. be bad. But do have a thing, kind of like, oh, did you hear uh, such and such is on this year? Um, should we I all? Have a, I have a ticket. Or, spare. We, or we should all get tickets. Does, is it who's interested? If she goes no. <laughs> then I would hear that clue phone ringing. <laughs> I think you're right there, Graham, when you say Simon in Exeter has possibly been playing wingman to his, uh, you know, more alluring, shall we say, I've got an image in my mind now. Um, He's so dishy. Flatmate, the house, oh, yes. oh, the flatmate's so dishy. So dishy, it's such a shame about Simon. <laughs> <laughs> no, Simon, you must get that out of your head. You must go strong and confident and ready to amuse and titillate this young lady with your anecdotes and... And charm. She's seen your legs and she still likes you. So, you <laughs> She's know. She's seen you play tennis. Maybe you're a better tennis player, Simon, than your flatmate. Oh. That's your trump oh, card. That's, that is key. In fact, there's a simple thing. Kind of go, oh, uh, you know, because it's tell housemate, I'm going to suggest we play tennis. I want you to say no, um, that you can't go. Because that's a really simple thing to do. Go play tennis. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think Simon wants to be there on his own with her. I think he feels, you know... No, no, after the drinks. Oh, I see. I mean, if it doesn't go well at the drinks, then nothing's happening. Yeah. You know, he's never playing tennis again. I've invested in this relationship now, Graham. I feel. <laughs> I really have. <laughs> I've pre-ordered a toaster. Uh. <laughs> I've got a hat and everything, Simon. It's all going to go swimmingly. Um, this is going to be so many people, I think, because it, because relationships and dating have been on hold mm. for so long. And now everyone's going mad. Yeah. I mean, I feel for young people, you know, it's been awful for everybody, but young people who, you know, they leave the house. <laughs> that's that's the point of young people. They leave the house. Yeah. They buy things. They have drinks. Whereas, you know, we sit in our house and... No, we don't. Well, quite a lot. We leave the house too. Occasionally. I will not get into the bath chair with you, Graeme, yet. It is not my time for the bath chair. Uh, so if you've got any advice for Simon in Exeter, you know what to do. I hope you're kind. Uh, Sharon in Monmouthshire. Lockdown's given us all too much time to analyse. Hasn't it just? Uh, she knows your friend has a girlfriend. So if she has ulterior motives towards him, she's probably not someone you want to get to know anyway. I thought that, but didn't want to say it. Because you kind of, yeah. If she is flirting with a, a man who she knows got a girlfriend, she's not great. I wouldn't wouldn't rush to go with her. Uh, chances are, she does want to see you again. Go with no preconceptions. You may find you're not as attracted to her as you thought. That's the thing. Go with an open mind, and also because yes, distance may have 
<laughs> maybe put some filters over her and maybe she's not as fun as you thought she was when she's, you know, not on the tennis court. Maybe she's been like, yeah, whatever. Heather, just go. If all else fails, you'll have had a night out with friends. That's the thing. You'll have had a night out and, and also you'll know, I think you'll know, you should know, if you're honest with yourself, whether it has legs or not after this meeting you know if she ignores you if she sits at a different end of the table all that sort of you know the signs are there simon look out for them uh, matthew's in northern ireland simon needs to take control oh hello all right i don't think simon's a take control kind of guy but yeah okay i hear you matthew simon needs to take control get the group together and play it cool and casual <laughs> yeah bring a date that's always good yeah uh, get her number and add her on Facebook and just start talking. Keep an omen bind, but take control. That's all Matthew wants to do is take control. That's his mantra. Go for it, Simon. Classic lockdown overthinking. Wear your good pants and enjoy the evening. You never know what might happen. That's Siobhan in North London. That's the attitude to have, Siobhan, isn't it? Just, yeah. Mary and Barnett. Simon, don't panic. Maybe when you see this lady again... You won't fancy her. Just think, you've had the time to big her up all year. Good luck, though, Mary. <laughs> Thanks, Mary. Thanks for that. And final word to Fred in London. Graham's right. Why did I wait and read this one last? I should have started with this. Graham's right. Embrace the mess. It could be something great, or if not, it'll be a funny story in a few years. How true is that? Graham's Guide. OK, dear <laughs> Graham and Maria... I know lots of people are making plans at the moment, but I'm still not really comfortable going into public places or trying to organise things until I've had both my vaccines. At the moment, I don't know when that's going to be. People have generally been very understanding, but it seems to have caused some frustration in my family, who are trying to organise an event for my mum's 60th birthday in the summer. Brackets, it's secret, so I can't even really talk to her about how I'm feeling, even though I'd love to. I don't want to make this all about me at all, so should I remove myself from the planning completely? Completely. And that is from Francis in Manchester. Now, Francis in Manchester, I completely understand. I think there are a lot of people feeling the same, uh, feeling, you know, compelled and under pressure to go out and do things. So really, don't feel you have to do that. You go at your own pace. But I'm also thinking... Your mum's 60, so you're not that old. Maybe you have an underlying medical condition that makes you more vulnerable. But I think by the summer, Francis in Manchester, you should have had at least one of your vaccines. But that's by the by. I also think that you should, yes, remove yourself from the planning. And just so for avoidance of doubt for the rest of the family, just say to them, I'm not particularly comfortable about this. I do want to have both of my vaccines or maybe at least one of them. Um, are we eating outdoors? Very low transmission rates. And um, I'm going to butt out of this and I will come if all of those things are in place, but I'm going to see how it goes. Because I think at the moment, no one really knows what's going to happen next. No one really knows how we're going. We know from, from history that things change in a moment. So I would just tell them, it's, it's my thing. I don't want to make it all about me necessarily, but this is how I'm feeling about it. And I don't want to spoil mum's 60th and I really want to be there if I can. But I also feel anxious. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the the difficulty is, is I think a lot of people, you know, they hear Boris at his podium saying, you know, pubs are now open. And what they're actually hearing is, it's over! Yeah. <laughs> and out they go. And of course, it's not over. It's still out there. There is, you know, we are still in the middle of a pandemic, even though things are getting much better. So it's that... It's just finding that sweet spot between optimism and and caution. And I think Frances is maybe feeling a bit too cautious, but that's but she must move at her own speed. I think you're right. You don't even don't even make a big thing of it. Just kind of go, oh, you know what I'm like. I'm I'm still, you know, panicking. So you guys fire ahead. I'll come over to mom the next day. I don't want to spoil the surprise. So just tell her I was worried about whatever and I'll come over the next day with something. Because you can see your mom in the garden or whatever by yourself and then that won't be stressful. And it's not like you ignored her birthday and you're not spoiling the surprise. So just tell them that. Boom. And, you know, and... It's difficult because, you know, everyone will be annoyed and frustrated because we want what well, we everyone wanted to be there for mom's 60th. And oh, Francis, no, Francis isn't coming. No, she's coming tomorrow. Isn't she? <laughs> and so it sounds like a, role, like a role that Francis has possibly played before. Well, uh, not in the same way, way. But I mean, if your family know that you can be, you know, a little bit difficult sometimes or yes. or unreliable i'm not but that, but, yeah, but, but that that is her that is francis that's who she is and that's <clears throat> fine mm-hmm. because everyone knows her and yes they will be a bit annoyed with you francis but that's the yin and the yang of this you are making a decision and it will have you know consequences the consequence is you feel much safer more comfortable everyone else is annoyed with you boom end yeah. You know, you decide what you want to do. Do you want to please everyone and freak yourself out by showing up to this and thing? And possibly by saying, Francis, that you don't want to make it all about you. Um, your family are <laughs> thinking to themselves, why does she have to make it all about her? <laughs> Every time we do something, it's all about Francis and we've got to cater to her needs. You're right to stick to your guns, Francis, about your own safety and your own levels of anxiety. Graham is right. You can see your mum another day. Yeah, the very next day. Or come summer, you may have had your vaccinations. We're ahead of the game, apparently, at the moment. So it may well be fine. So just say to them, I'll come if I can. But if not, I'll see her the following day. Yeah, because what is it? It's 45 to 50 now. Mm. So if the mother's 60, uh, Francis is probably... She could be 40. She could be 40. Mm. She could be 45. <laughs> Listen to our little <laughs> cogs whirring in our brains yeah. trying to do 40 my, and 60. My head hurts. <laughs> <laughs> That's tragic. Both of us have got our calculators out and just, doing things on our fingers. Yeah, both of us just staring at each other blankly. Are you going to say something? Can you do think you know of a what number? age she is? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, Francis, uh, you're probably approaching 40. Uh, or, you know, in, you're either approaching 40 or in your 40s. So, Maria's right. You should have at least had one old vaccine by the time the summer comes. What is oh, it now? She doesn't want an old vaccine. <laughs> she wants a vaccine. new fresh one. I that's... found this at the back of the fridge with the fruit of the forest yoplay. Yeah, we're, we're not even at the end of April at the moment and if it's in the summer that could be August so, you know, it could be months away. Yeah, what are you worrying about? Why have you written to us? Uh, <laughs> no, Francis, we are taking your problem seriously. We are. And uh, I think uh, the listeners will probably have some practical, I think there's probably some practical suggestions that we have not considered. <laughs> 
Yeah, because I don't think we've considered many here, have we? <laughs> we've been scrabbling about we trying to went, give you a good yeah, answer. Oh, go the next day. Whatever. I think the listeners will be of more assistance than we have, Francis. Let's see what you thought. Uh, Jane in Cheshire Francis unless you've got a serious underlying health condition the risk by that point will hopefully be tiny everything in life involves risks you are making it all about you celebrate your mother's birthday she's only 60 once okay Jane I mean yes I mean she may have underlying and we think she we were trying to figure out uh, (laughs) her age quite unsuccessfully but we think Francis must be in her late 30s so she should have had at least one vaccine by then Why not just say, yes, I'm coming, and then see what the situation is nearer to the time? Worst case scenario, if you feel the need to lie that you were ill on the day and simply can't come, Bever the New Forest, I must say, a little lie, I mean, who cares? No one cares. The only person who really cares is Frances and everyone else if she's causing problems. If she just says, yes, I'm coming, plan away, uh, then, you know, on the day, yeah. Jess in Liverpool, don't get super involved, but don't drop out. A non-committal attitude is probably the easiest way to go now. That is true, because we don't know what the future holds. Alex in Wells, I'd be very hurt. Oh, dear. I'd be very hurt if my child didn't come to my birthday party, especially as a surprise if I wasn't prepared in advance. Even if it isn't outside, can't Francis turn up with a lovely present of flowers and say, Mum, I love you, but you know what I'm like, etc. That might take the angst out and give you the option of going. That's true. You could be there for the start and then, you know, do an Irish exit and just, you know, where's Francis? Oh, she was here a minute ago. Uh, Caroline in West Sussex. Completely understand how Francis feels. And if I were her, I'd go over the day before and surprise my mum with some pre-birthday flowers. Now, Caroline, see, that's bad advice because that will upset everybody because the next day is the surprise. (laughs) So you've slightly spoiled the surprise. That's why I was suggesting going the day after. If you go the day after, it's all good. Uh, alternatively, suggest a fancy desk party and turn up in a spacesuit. Now, see, that's practical advice, Caroline. That is just a hazmat. I've got someone in a hazmat suit. Don't, don't mind me. <laughs> the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. Back in 2014, my next guests took a drive and the rest is history. They discovered their chateau in France. Uh, Dick and Angel Strawbridge join us now. Hello, guys. I'm so excited to speak to you. Hello. (laughs) Very nice to talk to you. Uh, So aren't you guys clever? Uh, You know, the rest of us locked down. We stared at a wall. Uh, You wrote a book. We had had a bit of time and we had the children and... um, I think we, we managed, we were in a place where we had the chateau all around, there's lots to do, and it just seemed exactly the right time to catch up on what happened and how it all started. It, it was amazing as well, because, you know, we had sort of been so busy that we'd forgotten a lot of stuff, and we also had a few um, heated discussions um, between Dick and I, because we didn't have the same sort of memory, memory. of what had happened at certain times. <laughs> Okay. And uh, tell me, who decided uh, who's... Because you, you, you write it together, but Dick writes bits and then Angel writes bits. Who decided uh, who got the bold print? I believe it or not, wrote, wrote less. So I think when it came to um, actually the publication, <laughs> I think it came down to, to the fact that uh, when it's the other way around, there's a bit too much bold in it, you know? <laughs> I suppose it's more sustainable to use less ink, Graham. Yeah, which is yeah that was a bit... totally, you know, decision Yes, made. absolutely. <laughs> I, I 
have to tell you, Dick, it does make Angel's voice a little more dominant. <laughs> She's telling the story and Dick's, Dick's got some details over here. Yeah, fine. Uh, right. So, well, there's, a big, there's a big difference in how we work together, you see, because um, the horsepower and, what's about, and, and some of the things that aren't quite so interesting. I got into such trouble for writing so much about toilets in October like, because apparently that's not what people want to read about. Yeah. But it was really important. I fell asleep reading October. <laughs> I, I, I like the detail of moving the sockets in the children's bedrooms. So tell us this. So that was so you started work on it in 2015. It's now, what is it now, 2021. So, I mean, is it, I mean, that's the thing with a building like this. I guess it's never finished, but how much, is there a big job left to do? You do wake up in the morning and kind of think, oh, God, we've got to drain the moat or we've got to do something or whatever. We have to do that, actually. You just, you hit something I'm trying to ignore for the minute. We have got some massive jobs to do and we've got some things that are, but we are, we're tackling. This again, you know, this year's a different year again because there's no weddings. We're still locked down here in France. Um, so we're, we're, we're locked down and we haven't had the easing that you're seeing back home so consequently it's, it's very different we have got some big jobs that we just haven't tackled if we're honest with you we've still got the roof to do which is obviously a massive one and we still haven't done the windows properly they've been kind of plastered over them um, except for um, and we haven't actually done them we have also got things like we'd like to have a swimming pool <laughs> <laughs> and you know when when lockdown's over because it's going to be odd for you because you know you this is a business your chateau is a business and you invite guests in all the time but for the last year it's been a family home is it going to be weird opening the doors to strangers again I don't don't know I just feel like this house was meant to sort of you know have people around we still have got our bubble so so in in our way the chateau is still sort of bustly and with energy but it's something that um, I'm looking forward to you know I know our team have really really missed the energy and excitement of weddings so I think when it happens it's going to feel natural it's quite interesting that the actual um, we don't do a lot of weddings we've always said we want to do uh, we, don't, we don't want to do them sort of twice a week for the season so maybe we'll have a dozen weddings in the year and that makes them more special um, so it's like having 12 parties um, I've all, I'm always very very invested in all of the weddings and I've really missed sort of like chatting to the brides and, and kind of getting all the flowers ready and doing all of the stuff for the, you know the happiest day we have got the issue that Arthur has built a box full out of boxes around the staircase which, which we've got, we've kind of got, like he hasn't got enough room in the chateau or something and the television show I mean people loved that show I think it's because you were having our adventure for us you know we were sitting on the couch thinking must change the bulb <laughs> on the landing and you were doing up a chateau <laughs> what are the what are the uh, what are the key bits of advice you would give to anyone considering this madness do it <laughs> but the thing is we, we can hear excuses and we understand that people just sort of think oh wow it's alright for them because I'm an engineer and it does design and we do things together but actually doing it um, is the key thing because where there's a will there's a way and one of the key things about us is we plan we yeah. plan we're not sort of bumbling around here just hoping that the planets will align we make a plan we execute it we do these things but Anybody can do it because, you know, if you don't know how to do it, you know how to find people that can help you do it. This is the 21st century. You only get one to crack at this life. It's so, so important. What amazes me and what I find so inspiring about the two of you is for me, yes, I I agree with everything you're saying, Dick. It's all doable. But it's just that thing of waking up in the morning and the weight, the weight of the task (laughs) 
ahead. Uh, 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 how, how did you cope with that? Or is that just the sort of, that is the sort of people you are? But you have to take a big job and break it down and do each little bit so um, and achieve that and then move on. Um, and you've got to plan to eat the whole elephant, but you can't eat it all in one go. Yep. And I think that's the key. And one of the really, really important things is um, we still smile when we turn into our driveway or when we look out of our window. You know, we are living in a beautiful place, and we're, we're, we're in my study at the minute having this yeah. sort of chat with you. We look out the window, and I can see the walled garden with all the things growing in it, and I can see trees and there's birds. We've made the decision, and I think that's the huge thing, that we just enjoy what we've got. And yeah, there's a thousand jobs I could be doing instead of sitting here, yeah. but we have to enjoy every minute. Yeah, and behind every fairy tale, I mean, there is a lot of work. When we when we do the weddings, we are doing 20-hour days easily, and it would be three days in a row. Yeah. Um, and, and every day we, we work sort of, you know, I, don't, I think a, a sort of short day is like a 12-hour day for us. Um, it, it is a lot of work, and you have to be prepared to kind of invest your life into it. You've got, it's, it's a lifestyle choice as well. That's the thing. Uh, so you, in the book, you talk about you know this is a love story and yes it's a love story between the two of you but it's also that weird relationship that people have with old houses i mean you just yeah you you can't you know for good or for bad you're in love with that chateau well that was i mean part of the love story isn't it you know we literally fell in love with that with with the chateau we saw lots by the way it wasn't yeah. love at first sight with the first thing we saw we saw we, we literally angela must have seen Ten, thousands of yeah. them on the internet. Tens of thousands on the internet, hundreds in, in real life. And this one, it was just so perfectly formed. It was perfect. And actually, the Bag uh, Baglioni's who sold it to us, um, we believe that they were also trying to choose the right owner because it had only ever been in the, in the family of the Baglioni's. And it was um, Jack's grand, um, grandmother, Dorothy, um, that had originally built the chateau. And when he found out we had a little girl called Dorothy, he, he's quite a sort of an alpha sort of butch guy and he literally skipped over to us to tell us and it was a, a moment where we just felt that we were meant to have the chateau it's cheesy but we are oh that's lovely i mean and what's it like in france in terms of you know here we've got grade one listed grade two listed all that sort of stuff where in the world where in that sort of protected world is your chateau People can make a decision, and so, so, some, some are uh, historic monument, historic buildings, and you can make a decision to go down that route, in which case you can get tax relief from it, but then you have people who take control of what you're doing. The vast majority of older buildings in France have no protection and nobody worries about them. We saw so many uh, chateaus that were falling apart because nobody, they, they just sort of left to sort of die, and nobody, nobody really cared. And so it's interesting. The chateau that we moved into went up for auction locally here in France 18 months before we found it and nobody put an offer in on it and the hammer came down and said nobody would give £100,000 to buy the chateau, the land and everything because yeah. nobody was interested uh, in it. And just, well, just no one was mad enough. Of, <laughs> no, well, exactly. That's, that's, that's the way they think. Thanks for clearing that one up. <laughs> We're British. Being British, we have a slightly different attitude. Yeah, exactly. We, we couldn't believe our luck when we found it, even for, you know, that little bit more more, more money but um, but we don't have any restrictions in terms of, of, of that um, on this particular chateau and if we're honest with you if there was we may not have bought it yeah because it, it's 
so I mean it's hard mm. enough uh, you know oh, and, yeah. and also because you love it you're going to treat the building with respect you'll have you know you'll do what needs to be done but you know you're not going to suddenly put in PVC windows or you know <laughs> exactly I don't know if you know but the actual the previous owner has put in some PVC windows in the front of it <laughs> and they're the only you know, they're, they're, they're aluminium and PVC we've got a mixture and they're the only windows that work in the whole <laughs> the rest of them are all drafty yeah. and sort of falling apart so, so uh, no, we didn't have I'm going to tell right, <laughs> no, Angela tell when we Mary. moved in the first thing she wanted to do was take them out we didn't have we had holes in the roof no electricity no water yeah. and Angela said let's get rid of those ugly windows and I'm going no they have to stay <laughs> we actually didn't have the money at the time for the sewage system in place but I was desperate to get rid of those ugly windows they're still there because we haven't attacked all the windows because it's a big job but, yeah. but literally we would like to go back to the lovely oak windows this place deserves yeah but again a lot of windows it's just a Over huge 60. amount of windows now that you've moved in now that you're in I mean you never moved out really you've been in it the whole time but now yeah. that it's sort of getting closer to being finished do you have a favourite part of the house a bit of the house where you go this is it this is the reason why we, we did it all I think for us to do something I would, maybe this is completely different <laughs> I would have bought the chateau to go and spend time in the walled garden the actual chateau itself is a bit of a pain in the bobo but I'd be very happy to stay spending my time uh, in the walled yeah. garden d- d- honestly that's Dick's happy place is, is the walled garden the potty shed uh, yeah. the greenhouse it's just I, lovely I, I love the Avondry, um, but I think when we're sort of in, in the chateau um, I think where we've got the most special memories I guess is, is our suite because believe it or not we don't live in a lot of the chateau because that's been you know, you know all the suites are has been reserved for guests uh, for weddings and stuff so we've got our little Shawbridge suite and that's lovely and all of the reception rooms and you've got well I've got my study where we are now and just got her tressoir which is upstairs where she does her work and we've got the, all of the downstairs floor with our family kitchen and everything else it's do you know what? they're all special places but for me I'd rather be in the garden than sitting in my office and and, and you sort of um you yeah. go and, you hide five floors up if you want to get something done. I do. I I, actually, hide. Dick, is it a beautiful day there today? It's absolutely stunning. Yeah, no, it's beautiful here too. And well, I'll let you get back to the garden. One quick question to Angel. So the vintage patisserie, is that still going in East London? No, no, oh. no. Do you know what? I saw, I brought all the stuff um, with me and we've kind of sort of turned the um, the weddings into an extension of that. And, and it, it, it's lovely. Well, always, it's just me, vintage. <laughs> <laughs> listen, it's been a joy talking to you. You are an inspiration, really. What you've done is oh, extraordinary. You. Uh, you know, it's not for everyone, but wow, have you made it work for you. Uh, Dick and Angel Strawbridge, A Year at the Chateau, is out in paperback now. Lovely to talk to you guys. Go enjoy the you sun. Too, Graham. Bye. Bye. So take Have care. Will do. Bye. Take care of yourself, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. Weirdo is a beautiful new book for children published by Puffin. Uh, the illustrations are magenta by Magenta Fox and the people want to write the words and the story. Uh, Zadie Smith and Nick Laird join us now. Hello, Zadie and Nick. Hi, Hi Graham. Graham. How are you? How's it going? <laughs> I'm very well. Very well. So am I right in thinking that this book started with Magenta Fox? Uh, yeah, so Ziddy <laughs> found Magenta's illustrations on Instagram and then we were, Ziddy said if we ever do a kids book we should approach this wonderful illustrator and I said well I have a few stories in a file on my computer and we worked on some of those, one was about Alex who's an annoying rabbit but then I saw but he was picture, too annoying, too we annoying. gave up on him But then <laughs> I saw one of the pictures was of this guinea pig with some balloons that Magenta had done 
And then I thought, well, how did that guinea pig get into that situation? And that's where it started. Because have you, obviously, you've, you have pets, you have a, a pug, a beautiful pug. And children. And, and children as well, you've got those as well. Mm, yeah. But you, have you... Have you Both human pets. Have you, done the, have you done the guinea pig thing? No. I, I mean, I did as a kid, but it's the usual story, they ate their children. So that was the end of that. Oh, right. Oh, I see what you mean. We've yes. Ne- no, yeah. no. That doesn't happen in the book. I no. want to make that no, no. very clear. No. <laughs> no. You haven't it's, had guinea pigs, no. It's all good in the book. And now, often I think people write books like this for their children, but your kids are a bit long in the tooth for this book. So, I mean, have, have they given it their seal of approval? Yeah, I mean, the youngest is eight, but we have been writing this book for a couple of years. Yeah. So they've, they've aged out of it. They're sick of seeing it and hearing about it, but they did start off quite liking it. Their main reaction is the youngest is annoyed because his name is not, in, not it, in it, whereas yeah. our oldest, her name is in it. So, so there will be a sequel. He wants his revenge. That's what the sequel will be, yeah. most probably. No, I must say, when I was reading it, I was thinking, clearly there's going to be a book. There has to be a book too now, because Harvey needs yeah. one yeah. too. <laughs> right, Harvey that's it. Harvey needs his own, yeah. And is Maud going to be in book two? Yeah, Maud or Maud? No, no, Maud, Maud, Maud the, the guinea pig. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we should explain <laughs> that your Maud, your Maud isn't a relative, my, my it's your Maud pug. Is, is our 15-year-old pug, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Maud the guinea pig will be returning in the sequel, hopefully. Yes, yes. for sure. There are more tales yeah. to be told about her. How slow? I mean, obviously, you say we worked in a couple of years. Is that because the illustrations take so long? Because they're really beautiful. I mean, the illustrations. Uh, she's she's, she's just the best illustrator. But to be fair, she's quite quick. She's quick. <laughs> yeah, she's so talented uh, that it doesn't take I mean, her long the, to the draw. Whole, the, the story was written really quickly. It's uh, but then the, the process is taking words out. You know, you make it right. as short as possible, and a lot of the work is done by the pictures. And um, every time it came back to me for edit, I would then expand it another five hundred words, which surprised nobody to, who's read my novel. Just take all the words out again. <laughs> then Nick would have to cut it back. Yeah. And it just went back and forth like that. And yeah. what age, So because people can't see it now, so what age is it ideally aimed at? Because it's a kind of, a, is it a you read-yourself book or is it a be-read-to uh, book? Uh, I'd say three to seven or just a genius baby, like a out of the park. <laughs> baby Einstein. <laughs> like some incredible I think it's three toddler. to seven. I suppose three-year-olds will be-read it and seven-year-olds will read it themselves. Yeah. But Neither of you have written a kid's book before. So the people at Puffin... Did they would they come back and kind of go? You can't use that word, or that sentence is too long, or did you guys figure that all out by, out by yourselves? Well, we had that sort of down pat. We've read a lot of kids' books over the last yeah. eleven years. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, the, the biggest lesson, which I think is is serious, is understanding that pictures speak for themselves a lot of the time. And with all the vanity of writers, you think you need to describe the scene, and Magenta's like, "No, I've got that with <laughs> with my pencils." Yeah. And she was correct. Yeah. No, because actually it really is. It's almost like a kind of there's there's pages that are almost like kind of a graphic novel where the story yeah, pro- so progresses beautiful. across. And where is she based? She based in London. Yes. Yeah. She's here. I think so. But um, everything was done virtually because of you know the situation. So it all went back and forth on email. I think we met once proper, properly to yeah. look at the pages yeah. in between two lockdowns. But um, yeah, it was all done virtually, more or less. And how did it work? The, the two of you working together. Did you kind of did you sit together doing it, or did you kind of pass the manuscript back and forth? Um, I, I wrote the sort of first draft and sent it to Zadie, and she edited and changed bits and added bits and. But we not, not together. And, we don't really no, write don't, in the same room anymore. Yeah, we, we used to try and do that, and it, with so many arguments that we now just sort of send <laughs> it back and forth. <laughs> yeah, we've. <laughs> 
We've learned it's a long life, long yeah. marriage. Sorry, sorry sister. to make you sit together for this. Um, actually, do you know We're what? Because the headphones. Uh, oh, you really are oh, yeah. Blair. That's lovely. What a. <laughs> either you've got very small heads or very big headphones. <laughs> Um, so tell me that I'm, I'm sorry I'm useless I forgot to ask you what the book's about we're supposed to tell people that oh, sorry. Yeah. yes yeah. they must be wondering okay so yeah. Yeah, it's called on. it's well, called weirdo go it's called weirdo and it's about a guinea pig called Maud who is really into judo yeah. and basically wears a judo outfit all the time right and becomes a new pet pet of a girl called Kit who's already got three pets and they are unimpressed by her They're a bit mean. eccentricities particularly wearing of the judo outfit all the time right and so Maud has to find a way to um, explain to them that that's just kind of her deal yeah and I well I liked about it it was it's kind of like the ugly duckling except there's no need to become a swan at the end Right. No, you can remain into judo and be a guinea pig. Yes. In my head, I thought the illustration you'd seen had the judo outfit in it, but it was the balloons. So who came up with judo? No, no, no it was both. It, it, it had it, the. It was a. I think she'd done it as a for a birthday card, and right. it had birthday balloons. But the, it was a guinea pig wearing a judo costume. Yeah, that's oh, how God. weird magenta is. I just thought <laughs> that, that's an image yeah. that comes to her mind. So Nick and Daddy, would you ever work together on fiction for adults, or do you prefer writing separately? I, I mean, think that's a hard pass. Uh, well, uh, well, we really do work together in fiction photos in that we edit each other's stuff. I mean, yeah, we. to be honest, all the books are basically made by both of us, I guess, because of the edit thing. But the only thing we write together is TV and film stuff. And that's quite fun because it's a separation of powers. Nick's so much better at plot and then I have a go at the dialogue. And, I mean, you say that thing, you, the edit thing. So are your books, they must be quite influenced by each other or by each other's tastes or not? Do you feel kind of it's quite independent? There's just a kind of a, an, an editorial I quite, voice. I think it's quite independent, really. We work away and then, you know, cut bits of each other's stuff. And you discuss it. We discuss stuff as we go along. It's the same ideas circulating in the house, you know. And so, I mean, sometimes the books have the same name, but that's more because I stole the name and put it on my book. Yeah. That happens sometimes. Only, only once. I don't think that'll happen again. No, no. <laughs> that's a one-off. <laughs> I have a funny feeling. I'm just guessing. Have there ever been any moments where you felt like giving up writing? Oh, every day. It, almost every day. <laughs> Continuously. <laughs> almost every day. But, Sylvie, when it's going well, there is actually no better feeling. It's so wonderful when it's going well. And the thing it feels most like is, to me, like playtime, like being a kid again. Right. Let's pretend. Yeah. Then it's brilliant. And in lockdown, Sadie, I know you uh, published a book of essays last year, but have you got more done in lockdown or have you kind of been like the rest of the world and kind of paralysed by it? We've been homeschooling. There was a lot of homeschooling. I learned a lot about adding. (laughs) I previously was very wobbly on. Your math skills came on a little bit. They came on a little bit. I'm now equal to a 10-year-old. Well, Well. the bottom end of the class. Um, So... That happened. We did a lot of homeschooling. We moved around a bit. We left New York after 10 years and came back to London. But we haven't done... We've, we've worked a bit. We have, yeah. have worked quite a lot in the gaps. It, it's been it's been OK. You know what gives a lot of time is not going out every night and getting drunk. Turns out to open huge swathes of time well, that I didn't have previously. Drunk. Staying in and getting drunk does take up some <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah, and telly's great, isn't it? Telly great. Telly oh, so telly's great. brilliant. Yeah. Telly's always oh, there for you. I'd forgotten how much I love telly. I think I'd even said bad things about telly in the past, but that is all over now. <laughs> it's for, All is forgiven. All is forgiven. All is forgiven, forgiven. Telly. Yeah. telly is now my life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, and homeschooling's over, so we're expecting oh. a lot of productivity now. We, we're expecting yeah. announcements any minute now about new things. 
things from both oh, of you. Calm down. No. <laughs> yeah. I know. This is good. We've written a book that's got yeah. at least 800 words in it. Yeah, that'll do. And, and, and schedule's one of them. I, will, I, I was taken schedule. aback. Yeah, schedule. Oh, schedule. How do you say it? Schedule or schedule? There's a lot of debate about it. I that. would say schedule, but I'm yeah, from schedule. Ireland, so what do I know? No, that's, see, I don't... That was my that's problem. I was dealing way. with an Irishman. I was like, I don't know if you're correct. We're correct, Grim. Schedule. Or would you say schedule? I think I say schedule, but that might be the influence of New York. People feel free to phone in. I, I'm just encouraging <laughs> that now. Zidi also says Z instead of Z. She's, she's got weird oh, things going on. Yeah. Weirdo is the name of the book. Uh, for people <laughs> aged three to seven, it's illustrated beautifully by Magenta Fox. Let's big her up again. Uh, lovely to talk to you guys. Take care of yourselves. Okay, you Enjoy the sun. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Coming up, Claire Balding chats to us about her brand new children's book, Fall Off, Get Back On and Keep Going. But before that, Helen George fills us in on the 10th anniversary of Call the Midwife with the start of the new series. Hello, Helen. Hello, good morning. Oh, how are <laughs> you? you? So well then. Yeah, so good, thank you. Uh, congratulations, and I should say thank you very much. You sent me a biscuit. Did you know you sent me a biscuit? Yes, I did, and she, yes, she's, it's, she's got a sort of mini skirt on and no head. That's... I guess you sort of put it up to yourself and take a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I know it's made by Helen the Biscuit Fairy. That's not you, is it? Well, it's my sideline. I mean, times have been hard, Graham. Um, <laughs> no, it's not me. I can't make an, anything. <laughs> no, I suddenly thought, oh, that's clever of her. And I want you to commission, I want you to commission a lot of biscuits. Uh, thank you very much. 10,000 biscuits, yes, to mark the 10th anniversary. No, it wasn't me. And it also comes with a hanky to dry my eyes for the crying when oh, I'm watching the perfect. show. Perfect, exactly, exactly. No waste here. Because um, I've, I've been, I've, I was only supposed to watch episode one, but I did sneak into episode two as well. Um, oh, it's. I mean, it's just so good. Uh, ten years of this, and you kind of think, like, how many stories can there be in people having yeah. babies? Yeah. But it is. It is endless the situations that the writers find. Well, I think so and also because it's not just about births it's about um, nursing in the community as well and, and where that expands too so I think it you know and, it, and it's ever growing as social and, and health policies change throughout the years and particularly in the 60s when there was such progression in so many ways I think there's always change and there's always um, you know reform and and, and a move forward um, so I think there will always be stories. I'm just hoping they get to the aces and then Trixie can kind of like killer shoulder pads and like a massive perm yeah and start you know? bo- start booper because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, this this yeah. because uh we're in the mid 60s and uh trixie gets a new uniform a very <laughs> delightful uniform <laughs> uh can you yeah. can you can tell us about that country that that happens straight away oh, about the uniform yeah. yeah exactly and also i haven't seen the episode so um so it's always mad when people have seen it before me you know because we just haven't had a screening or anything this time around but it's this um glorious sort of um half nurse's outfit half lingerie i would say <laughs> this beautiful like pastel pink nurse's uniform um which was such a thrill you know getting my old uh claret and blue uh, nurses uniform which I've had for quite a few years producers um, <laughs> it was nice to have a nice fresh crisp um, pink outfit so no that was lovely because this is I mean it's it's so interesting because I I'm, I trust and I'm sure you do that it is all kind of historically accurate that the things that are happening in the show did happen then we can just we take that as so. yeah. We can take that as real. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think so. Because you, there's a kind of a the, so the midwives are kind of getting into private practice. 
Yes, it's interesting because there's this question over an artist's house surviving because of the lack of funds for it and to continue their nursing within the community in the midwifery. But, you know, they they need funding, if not from the council or government, um, from private equity. And um, and this storyline presents itself, which is a, a small private clinic in Chelsea, offers the, the chance for Sister Julienne to sort of rent out midwives to the private um, the private hospital in return for a monetary fund which would keep Nanata's house going so it and Trixie is kind of the experimental nurse that goes ahead to see if this could be possible so it's a great plan if it comes into fruition but it's an interesting dichotomy because we've been you know so staunchly talking about the National Health Service over the last 10 years of the series and then suddenly the idea of a private clinic and what comes with that, you know, when you see these women living in such poverty in the East End and the lack of money and, and uh, resources and everything else. And then suddenly you're in this immensely beautiful Chelsea clinic with lovely paintings everywhere. And, um, you know, the women are made such a fuss of because there's so much time and money to be spent on them. So it's a really interesting story. And also, it, it just makes you realise, you know, the NHS has been underfunded since it began. It's, it's not like, this is nothing new. We're not living through it's new, interesting new. times. This, this is a tale as old as time. Um, and yeah. Call the Midwife, it has, I mean, it's changed your life, hasn't it, Helen? Well, it has a bit, yes. I mean, literally, it was six episodes when we first started 10 years ago. And I got it out of the blue, really. Um, and they were very good, the BBC, us invest in an investing in some younger actresses that weren't necessarily, um, you know, household names. And then we had the lovely Jenny Agutter and everybody else and Pam Ferris and Miranda and Judy Parfit, you know, everybody. Um, so it, it, was, it, was, it was an immensely life-changing experience. And I've just had the most amount of fun and joyous experiences through this show. It's been fantastic. I'm so fortunate to be part of it. And I read you in an interview, uh, I think it was last weekend in one of the supplements, talking about how uh, it's one of those rare jobs that provides work for actresses of all age. I mean, literally from children to, to people. Days old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, yeah, yeah. from babies all the way up to kind of people in their 80s. You know, when it started 10 years ago, it kind of wasn't, it was all about young women, young, beautiful women being on TV. And it wasn't about, you know, older women, anyone past. 30, anyone past 40 necessarily being on TV and also a female-led show. It was pretty unusual at the time. So the fact that the producers um, had such faith in it and the BBC, I mean, it really was kind of ahead of its time in a way. And it, it provided you know, work for older actresses, younger actresses, mainly females on screen. So it was it was epic at the time. I, remain, I remember it being quite revolutionary in a way, which seems mad because 10 years ago isn't that long. But, you know, and then we have these wonderful female-led films that are suddenly at the Oscars and the BAFTAs and female directors that are coming to the forefront. And it just feels, you know, like a, a revolutionary time now. But, um, yeah, I, I'd like to say we were kind of, we were ahead of the game. As well. Yeah, no, it is amazing because I, I kind of think, you know, you're working in telly, you always think, oh, I can spot a hit like I wouldn't have commissioned this I mean, you know, thought, you know, no, I love it I love this show so much uh, you know I'm a big fan what's your favorite song that's featured in an episode of Call the Midwife because I mean there's been albums haven't there compilation albums have come out of Call the Midwife yeah. music yeah and the nuns singing, like Christmas <laughs> albums with the nuns singing, which is lovely. Um, gosh, what's my favourite song? I always love the Christmas ones. I'm a bit of a sucker for the carols. Um, 
And um, there was one when I sang Embraceable You when Trixie did this kind of like random dance and sang into a wooden spoon, which was quite fun in the early years. Um, so, yeah, I think Embraceable You, that was probably one of my favourite songs. And I said Call the Midwife changed your life. The show hasn't just brought you employment, it has brought you love. <laughs> It's brought me a kid. <laughs> yeah, called a midwife. <laughs> Literally. And when I was going, when I was having my um, my daughter, the midwife did say to me, I've wanted to say this to you for so long, but now it's time for you to call your midwife. <laughs> did any did any of the show come into some sort of practical use when you found yourself in that situation? Well, in a, in a way, because in the South African um, Christmas special, Trixie performs a C-section, which was, you know, not really a midwifery thing to do. It's very much a doctor-led procedure. Um, but I'd watched so many YouTube videos on how this was going to be performed and, you know, and the way it was done in the 60s, which is different from the modern way. But I had a C-section as well. So when it was happening, I was sort of like, oh, you're doing this bit and you're cutting through this tissue. And it kind of, you know, I had... <laughs> Some sort of insight, <laughs> although I was on the table. <laughs> yeah, the doctor was like, who the hell is she? Shut up. Like, Shut up. <laughs> Let me do my job. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Just call the midwife, take up your whole year. Or can you do other things like, you know, theatre when it's open and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, no, I'm quite lucky. So um, actually the last series 10, because it happened um, with the pandemic. So we were supposed to start filming in March last year, which was just before Boris announced first lockdown. So we delayed it until September. So we're doing back to back. So we've just finished series 10 now. We had six, seven weeks off and now we start series 11 tomorrow. We start filming. Um, but normally I get six months off, so I'm really lucky. I've done some lovely theatre jobs and uh, lovely bits and bobs. So, yeah, it takes up half the year and then I get to do other stuff or um, just sit on my bum and <laughs> not do other stuff. <laughs> well, actually, it is, it's it's kind of fun because you can enjoy being with your daughter because, you know, you know there's more yeah. work on the way. Yeah, I think, yeah, and that's the joy, you know. It really does give you that flexibility so that I, you know, I'm gone quite a lot when I'm filming. They're really long days. I don't see her that much. So um, it gives me time to spend with her the other half of the year. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it works really well for my life. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so as, how many episodes are in this series? Um, <laughs> I think. So we did one less this series because of the timing. Oh, OK. Um, so we've got the Christmas special and then we've got the producer's going to kill me. I think it's seven episodes. <laughs> I lose track. I've done so many now, Graham. I mean. <laughs> well, uh, the producer's already going to kill you because on my notes it says, don't ask her about the next series. She cannot say if she's in it or not. It's like, well, clearly you're in season 11. Oh. <laughs> oh, God, I'm going to go. Oh, no. Well, no, I mean, look, I, She's I'm a ghost. Laughing. She's a ghost I might in get season a 11. tonight. Exactly. They're going to sack me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and when you were saying that, I was thinking, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think maybe they mean because we've been commissioned for another two after series 11, um, okay. which, you know, I can, yeah. And the Perhaps. other thing, the other thing, which, and again, what a great kind of, you know, there's lots of things to do in lockdown, but on iPlayer, all nine previous series are just sitting there waiting for people <laughs> to watch them, uh, which is, oh, wow. oh, I know. Uh, that's something you do. It's a lot. Yeah. I think it's quite interesting because the audience that we have had people that have just started watching it in lockdown, you know, so they've got this bulk of episodes to watch, new viewers. So that's been really fun, seeing people discover it for the first time after 10 years. 
Well, Series 10 of Call the Midwife starts tonight at 8 o'clock on BBC One. Helen, George, congratulations. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a joy as ever. Thank you so much. Enjoy your biscuit. Okay, good luck. I hope you don't get fired. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. Well, now, if you thought this Sunday couldn't get any sunnier, think again, because I'm now joined by Claire Balding. Hello, Claire Balding. Hello, Graham Norton. How are you? <gasps> I'm so well. Claire Balding. Are you? Claire Balding. In what way are you well? Well, I'm delighted to hear you because you sound like, you sound like uh, you are a professional broadcaster. You've built a podcast studio in your house. Uh, you're surrounded by egg boxes or something. You sound marvellous. No. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm actually, the cat was just jumping around on me and I'm just sitting in my house. I'm not in a studio. I don't have a home studio. Wow. You mm. invested in carpets and curtains. That's what you I got. have. Yeah. That is what I have. Very good soft furnishings around me. Yeah. My house <laughs> sounds like a bunker. I just, it's so echoey when I do anything from home. It's so echoey. And I, it's sort of like, yeah, I clearly, I've bought a lot of stuff over the years, just not carpets and curtains. None of it's soft. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, congratulations, Claire Balding. You have written such a special book. It's called Fall Off, Get Back On, Keep Going. Ten Ways to Be at the Top of Your Game. And it's for younger people. What sort of age do you think it's pitched at? I think it's pitched at seven to about 11. I, you, you know that stage in your life when you suddenly stop being super confident and trying everything and not being afraid of falling over and you get a bit hesitant and very inward looking. And it's for that age group because I think they're the ones that have always needed a bit more support. And I think particularly now um, with everything they've been through, and I think some still feeling quite anxious about going back into big groups, having not been for such a long time, and how to connect with other people than just through a screen. So it's a bit like yourself and Maria. I have no professional training to offer people (laughs) advice, but it's, it's practical. I like practical advice. This is how you do things. So if you're going to, if you feel a lack of confidence, how do you change that in yourself? And what do you do to make yourself give tips on that? If you're trying to be more patient, because I think sometimes I'm terribly impatient. So that I was like, oh, I don't want to write about patience. That's so boring. And then I thought, (laughs) hang on a sec. I've watched sports people for a long time. And one of the things I think they control really well is they are patient. They seem to have more time. And take someone like Roger Federer, who I adore watching, who seems to float around the court and has so much time to play his shots. He used to be really impatient. He used to chuck rackets around and smash them up and all sorts. So using examples like that to say to kids, look, not everyone suddenly came out fully formed and perfect. Yeah. Yes, I must say, I found, like, going through the book, it's sort of heartbreaking to remember what it was like to be that age where every little thing seemed like the end of the world you know having an argument with your friends or you made a fool of yourself those everything it becomes sort of all consuming doesn't it and massively magnified you're so right and that's exactly what i wanted to try and say look i did this these are the things i've got wrong you know i got suspended at school for shoplifting when i was 10 i was literally the the pariah of the school nobody wanted to talk to me i had no friends i was put from one house into another house i was completely excluded from everything and i talk about how you build yourself back 
And sport did it for me in many ways, because when I was playing sport, I could just be a position on the pitch. For other people, it might be singing in a choir. It might be acting and becoming someone else and being able to express yourself differently. It might be your relationship with animals who aren't going to judge you and luckily don't know that you got caught stealing. <laughs> you know, there are lots of ways and you don't have to be defined by it forever. But there are practical tips with how to cope with the anxiety. I mean, gosh, I still have anxiety now and I try and do my breathing, you know, just, just make myself breathe consciously and try and take my mind somewhere else. I think everybody does. So to be honest, you could be, you know, 65 and read this book it might be helpful so although the age group is for youngsters i think it could help anybody yeah because i mean a lot of the advice is quite sophisticated things like visualization or finding things you really care about and standing up for things you know they're kind of you know as you say there are lessons for any age really even something simple like kids are always told be kind now they know that that means share things, but what else does it mean? What is kindness? And one of the things I believe in very strongly and have really made a point of, I think kindness involves giving people time and really focusing on them, not being flipping on your phone, not, you know, randomly jumping in when they're in the middle of telling you something very heartfelt. Give them time, give them, you know, for, you know it, back now that, you know, now that certainly for kids, they, they're, they can actually hug each other. Um, I think that's the physical contact's really been something that we've probably not necessarily realised how much a part of our lives that's been. But I find it really difficult now, don't you? When you see friends and you so want to give them a hug and we still can't. Mm, I'm kind of I'm... OK with it. Um... <laughs> And, you know, you are one of those people, I think people listen to you and they watch you and they think, how do you get all this done? Well, do you know, Graham, there was very little going on last year for me. <laughs> very little. Well, that's and I don't, yeah, exactly. I don't have, I don't have a daily show. I don't have a weekly show even. Um, and writing for me is very uh, therapeutic. I like having something um, on the days when I'm not doing you know when major events stop it's the i promise you there was there was not a lot so uh, i wrote two books last year and i just like you know i'm i'm i enjoy and you are another one who does because you've been hugely successful with the books you've written so you understand what i'm saying when you're not doing television or radio it's actually really nice to try and create something that you have complete control over and that has some sort of long lasting impact you know because the rest of what we do it's gone isn't it yeah. as soon as you've done it it's gone and actually that is interesting how did you cope with because you know so one thing it's, it's kind of two skills isn't it it's the being busy and how do you keep every, all the balls in the air da, da, da. but then when everything stops mm. how were you with ooh lots of time on my hands surprisingly good oh that's good for, yes i'm looking forward to retirement <laughs> <laughs> um i did i mean it was i did a lot of walking um every day that was my sort of i had to have that as my headspace and listening to a lot of really good podcasts actually but walking down by the river i live in west london and i can get down to the river quite quickly and i do a sort of five mile loop and that kept me i knew i needed that every day um and it's been tough not being able to see my family and, and I'm going down this afternoon actually and, and sitting out in the garden with them. So that's been really, I really appreciate that now that I can see them again. And I think like everybody, you know, you have blips, but to be honest, I just kept my head down and kept going. And, and that sort of is the message of the book, but you do, you just keep trudging. You've got to trudge through bits and then you get exciting bits and then you get to dance again. Yes, and, and and yes, as we were saying, and that's the thing that young people don't understand. They think when they're in, when they're going through a bad time, it's a forever time. And yeah, that's the thing they've got to know that it's yeah. not. 
it, w it will pass. And what I'm amazed at, you know, this book only came out on Thursday. It's clearly, it's clearly struck a chord because I think a lot of parents have felt helpless. They haven't known what to do to help their kids. And I think just having some kind of practical guide that's fun to read, that you can hand them and go, give this a go, it might help. It went straight to number one. Woohoo! In children's books. Aha! Ahead of Harry Potter. I mean, it won't last, Graham, it won't <laughs> last. But what, what a lovely, you know, I'm just like... Because I really... Oh, you know, I don't sound worthy and all that, but I, I really want to... I, I meet a lot of kids, right? And I go to a lot of schools because I've written children's fiction before and I'm not a parent and I'm not a teacher. So I'm the fun one that plays games with them. I'm the one that goes, come on, let's try this. You ask me a question. Let's start a story together. You know, if you could be an animal, what would you be? And so I'm just like a grown-up kid. But it's really nice to know that you can communicate with them and they will listen because you're not their parent exactly. and you're not their teacher. Yeah, because I, th I think for parents, you, you know, a lot of the things in this book they might know, but they don't, but they can't communicate it to the kids because kids are going, stupid parents, what do they know? Yeah. You know, they, yeah, they know exactly nothing that. about my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Violet has a question. Do you have any advice for someone starting out in sports journalism? I'm trying to do things with my uni media societies, but it's been a bit tricky this year. Well, I can imagine it has been a bit mm. tricky sort of tiddly tournaments and things that's about it my advice would be find the sport that you love and that you know a bit about and really become the expert in that sport and then expand from there because I think even more now than maybe 20 25 years ago when I started it is it has become quite fragmented and people are experts in one sport or even one section of a sport you know I I've covered lots of different things, but I come from an era where we had grandstand and I presented grandstand. So I did need to know about lots of different sports. And obviously I've done a lot of Olympics and Winter Olympics and Paralympics, which are all multi-sport events. Um, but it is much more streamlined now. So I'd go specialist and really become the best at that. And obviously, and you can self-publish now, which we couldn't. So you can have articles up online that people can read. You can record voice pieces. You can practice, get your voice good as well. Get your, you know, explaining what's happening, understanding, describing things. Because racing, obviously, was your in. But you are kind of a rarity, aren't you, that you cover so many different things? A rarity now. I, I, I wasn't. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but yes, it, it, is, it is much rarer. Now, actually, to be fair, Gabby Logan does a lot of different things. So does Lee McKenzie. So does Jill Douglas. There's a whole bunch of us that, that do, you know, flit around. But football's such a big beast that people that do football tend to... Well, they have a lot of work if they do football. And, um, it's yeah, Claire said, Claire said, the gritted teeth. Yes, football. Football seems to have gone on. I cover women's football. I do cover women's football, which I love. Um, but yes, yes, the, the old stuff. Yeah, that, that has continued. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. But there's only one Claire Balding and her new book, Fall Off, Get Back On, Keep Going, is out now. It's number one, you know. That's what I hear. Word has reached me. It's number one. Uh, a joy to talk to you. Uh, take Thank care you. of yourself, Claire. All right. Thank you. All right. Lots of love. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you so much for joining me through Graham Norton Radio Show Podcast with Waitrose. I'm back on Virgin Radio from 9.30 on Saturday morning. And don't forget, the next episode of the podcast will be out first thing the following Monday. Speak soon. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio.